Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to continue in the fifth chapter of the book of Mark with verses 1 through 20. We were here last week, and Pastor Jim is going to park here in this passage for this week and one more in order to chew on various important lessons that we should take from these verses. Jesus encounters here the demon-possessed man as he gets out of the boat in the country of the Gerasenes. Now, we're not as familiar with the phenomenon of demon possession in our present time and culture, but they are still very real, and they are still at work opposing God and Christians. So, that being true, we would do well to know how they operate. Just as it's generally a good idea to study the opposing football team's strategies before you step onto the field with them. We'll take a deeper look at this encounter Jesus had with a legion of demons and what it means for us today as you follow along this week. Here is today's portion of the message entitled, Jesus' Power Over Demons, Part 2. Now, now why do this? Well, that's a legitimate question. There's not a specific explanation in Matthew or Mark or Luke, but again, we can make some observations uh, the text doesn't say it per se, but we can tell that by the death of the pigs, it makes it obvious that the demons were set free to continue their evil practices elsewhere. You might not like that part, as I said, but it's true. Another possible reason is that the dramatic demise of the pigs shows for sure that the demons left the men it was a clear demonstration of the power of Jesus over the powers of darkness. And, and by the way, it also shows in what they did to the pigs, the destructive nature of the demons. Now, a herd of pigs that large, in a place as small as that little coastal village of Garasa, means it was probably a collective effort of many people. It might have been the whole village economy based upon exporting pork. That's a lot of pigs. I'm not sure there were 2,000 people in the, in the whole city. So the death of that whole herd was potentially disastrous to the local economy. But that's perfectly in line with Satan's attitude toward people and toward things that matter to people. And all the better if they could do something really destructive and pin the blame on Jesus as if it was his fault. But don't let yourself get sidetracked by worrying about the pigs or their owners. The most important point is the spectacular evidence that Jesus has absolute power over Satan and his demons. Now, the rest of this incident records two reactions to what happened. We'll only get to one of them this morning, but you might think that logically, an event like this would lead to a great outbreak of faith among these Gentiles in the region of Gerasa and Gadara. Maybe, maybe it would be like the way all of Nineveh repented when 
Jonah went there. Ah, but that wasn't the case. Because when you see the man from the tombs and then you see the power of Jesus to deliver him, the next thing you see is the unbelief. This part starts innocently enough. Verse 14, Their herdsmen, that is the pig's herdsmen, ran away and reported in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. Well, that just makes sense. If you were hired to care for pigs and all the pigs ran off a cliff and drowned themselves when Jesus let a horde of demons enter into them, I think you would hightail it in to tell your employer and anybody else that would listen what had happened. And they reported this, it says, in the city and in the country. That means all around, and it, that substantiates the theory that it was the small village near the, near the somewhat larger city. Add to that that the demon-possessed man that everyone had been so afraid of for so long, the man or the two men, that no one would come near that place And you hear now that this has happened. It's no surprise. The people came to see what it was that had happened. Matthew says the whole city came out to meet Jesus. So it's obvious that the report wasn't just about the pigs. It was about Jesus. So, verses 15 and 16. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down. What was he always doing before? Running around screaming. Clothed and in his right mind. What was he before? He was naked and absolutely crazy. Terrorizing people. The very man who had the legion. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. Now, ponder that scene. There would have been a a little while of peace and quiet after the pigs were dead and while the herdsmen were away telling everybody who would listen to them. And obviously, during that time, Jesus and the formerly demon-possessed man were sitting and talking, perhaps all of the apostles and the others that were with him. Imagine how curious the apostles and the other believers who were there would have, would have been about that. They were probably chiming in. Yeah, you should have seen it in the, in the synagogue in Capernaum and what Jesus did to the, to the demon there, how the demon just went berserk when, when, when Jesus came. They probably added quite a bit to it. So here's the man sitting down instead of running around and screaming, clothed instead of naked, in his right mind instead of a, a lunatic. And notice the reaction of the people who saw him. They became frightened. That's not unusual for people who see a a demonstration of supernatural power. Do you remember the night before this? The storm is raging and they come to Jesus and say, Don't you care that, that we're perishing? They were afraid of dying. And then Jesus calms the storm. And then it says, And they became very afraid. When you see the finger of God flex anywhere near you, it's terrifying. I find it amusing that the text points out 
that those who had seen this incident kept describing to their friends what had happened. I can imagine there was plenty of doubting about the story when these guys first came running into town and said, you've got to see this. Oh, the pigs are gone. And this guy did this. I can see him saying, oh, yeah, were you drinking something out there? What was going on? And now they're all there, and the people who saw it must have been saying, see, those are those two guys from the tombs that we've been avoiding for years. See, those are your pigs bobbing around in the water down there below the cliff. We told you. And, and, and that guy, he's the one who made it all happen. Boy, if ever there was a demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ that you would think would lead people to faith and repentance, there was never a better situation than this. Oh, but read on. Look at verse 17. And they began to implore him to leave their region. Luke gives an even fuller description. Apparently there was not one person from that surrounding area that pursued Christ that day. Luke's version 837 of Luke. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them for they were gripped with great fear. And he got into a boat and returned. Now we're going to come back to this passage. That's as far as I'm going to go uh, for now. But remember last time I said I'd been asked the question, if Jesus cast out demons then, who casts out demons now? And um, we're going to um, come back and finish answering that next time. But before we quit today, please make sure you don't go away leaving all of this in the category of what an interesting story from long ago. You know, there are a lot of people today who believe that the reason most people don't believe in Christ is that they haven't seen enough evidence in the form of miracles. And there are people going around trying to conjure up miracles and claim that things are miracles that, that aren't. The problem is never that there's not enough miracles. The problem is unbelief. The problem is voluntarily remaining in spiritual blindness even when the truth is in front of one's eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says this, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, Paul's saying, there's no lack of clarity in what we preach. The veil is on the part of those who are perishing. In whose case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of of God. Some people don't want to see the light for a very good reason. John 3, 19 and 20 puts it this way. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be 
exposed. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.